0: Welcome back to the Peruvian Waltz Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Galindo. Joining me this week is uh, Kevin Montalvan. Kevin, how are you doing?
1: Doing well, Peter. I I guess it's good to be as usual.
0: Absolutely, always happy to have you around, and making his podcast debut, uh, those of you who might be familiar with this uh, Twitter handle, at Renato underscore son, will be quite familiar with him, but uh, we've actually got the Renato on with us. Renato, welcome to the podcast, how are you doing?
2: Hey Peter, Um, this is Renato Vilches, I'm a Peruvian American, born to Peruvian parents, living in New Jersey. I'm actually really happy to be part of this podcast, actually. Usually I would always be one of the main listener questions answering, but now it just feels great to be here.
0: Well, we will get right into it. We'll start first with the recent Peru call-ups. They were made on Friday. Ricardo Gareca unveiling his first Peru squad since november 19 local players were called up he could have added up to 22 for this camp that will be played from august 31st to september the 5th uh gadeka ended up going with 19 as clubs could reject call-ups for players and whatnot so the breakdown of the squad is as follows we have two goalkeepers five defenders 10 midfielders slash wingers and then two center forwards the most players from a certain club that were called up were four from Deportivo Municipal, then three each from Melgar, Laú, and Cristal, two from Cesar Vallejo, and then one each from Alianza Binacional, Cantolao, and San Martin. Uh, And a fun fact for you, uh, Christian Ramos, the most capped player in this squad, has as many caps as the rest of the players combined. Um, I'll run through the list... We have the goalkeepers in Jose Carvalho and Carlos Cásada. uh The defenders, Christian Ramos, has mentioned, Eduardo Caballero, Paulo Fuentes, Nilson Loyola, Aldo Corso. And then in the midfield, we have Armando Alfajeme, Raciel Garcia, David Dioces, Jesus Pretel, Yamiro Oliva, Kevin Sandoval, Sandro Renjifo, Rodrigo Vilca, Aldair Rodriguez, Christopher Gonzalez, Osling Mora, and Matias Sucar. So those are the 19 names. Renato, I'll start with you, seeing as how you are the debutante. But uh, which call-ups surprised you? Wh- which players are you happy to see on this list?
2: So the two players I'm really happy to see on the list: that first is Osling Mora. I mean, lots of people must be happy, especially a certain someone who runs. Helps run this pod, and I'm really happy that he's in because he's got the speed, like the technical, like aspects and the creativity. And it's always great to have more wingers to be under the radar for Peru, especially for for like the right wing, as it's the area of heavy competition. And the second one is Matias Sukar because not Peru is having a striker crisis right now with Paolo out, and Matias Sukar is someone that is in the eyes of Gaek um, to be seen. And also, there's also Alayir Rodriguez, right. who I've been loving for Nacional. even if I can disagree with the club a lot, but he's been in great, great form before and currently right now.
0: For sure he has been. Kevin, what about you? Which, which names were you pleasantly surprised to see and or were happy to see?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean,
1: obviously, I'm excited to see Austin Mora. I think the guy has a lot of potential. And he's demonstrated himself as a, probably the best player at Alianza right now, aside from the the center backs. I'm pleasantly surprised to see uh, Paulo Fuentes from Melgar, mm-hmm. center back, who I personally Very think defender. Definitely, I, I think he should have been at the the Pan Am Games. Yeah, I think Solano completely messed out on that one. I'm excited to see Wilker.
2: Oh, uh, is that's a big big expectation. Uh, The Cueva comparisons, technical aspects, it's beautiful.
0: For sure. Um, Vilca, for me, is also on the kind of list of players that I would have liked to have seen Pablo Fuentes as... Kevin mentioned, I still think he's been one of the more underrated young defenders in Liga Uno the last couple of years. Um, might not be as exciting as, say, Jim Franco Chavez because obviously he is a couple years older, uh, but he's equally brilliant on the ball. I think he's very positionally sound. Birka, exciting as hell, although he might be behind the likes of, you know, Peña, Flores for the 10 depth, uh, maybe Yuri Alcelli if he ever breaks through. I'd also like to see Sandro Ren- uh, Renjifo as well, linked to sporting Kansas City. He's very technically gifted, creates a lot of chances, um, could be a name that we might see in the future as well, especially if he can move abroad, um, but I'm with both of you guys in that Osling Moda for me, might be the more exciting name, or the most uh, exciting name, but sukar as well. He's been on fire this year. I think he can probably fit the number nine mold for Peru the best out of the non paolo players, so I feel like that is very encouraging to say the least to see him in there and it seems like Gareca has been very uh, excited by him too because he's watched every game of his since the restart very much paying attention to him on the other side guys um, Kevin which call-ups made you perplexed which ones were kind of making you scratch your head a little bit in terms of why is this player even being considered by Gareca at this point
1: I'm gonna say hands down Caballero I think he has the the lowest ceiling of the of the guys called up. Personally, not a fan. Just kind of a a bigger bigger stronger center back that I, I could see. You might use a piece like that, but it's unlikely he'll ever get a a debut with uh, la selección. And like I understand why he called up Alfa He mm-hmm. Gareca seems to like him. He's called him a few times, but he's never used him. And we have. A lot of depth there so i think it could have been used for a, you know some some players a younger more interesting
0: yeah i probably agree with that uh renato what about you which players were you not too happy or excited to see on the list
2: i gotta agree with kevin on caballero honestly after that horrific pre-olympico campaign he was by far the worst player lazy he's has no, like, care for the defense line. It just feels like a random call-up. I just feel like the reason why he was called up is because Gareca possibly, I no, not possibly, definitely wanted to call up Chavez, but there was a chance that Cristal said no, so he had to find someone else. And I guess another one would be Nielsen Loyola. Yeah. I mean, I understand why he called him up as he has some experience playing with Peru, and maybe he can give some of the newer guys like a welcome, but honestly, I never really saw anything in Loyola. The best way you can describe him is as a poor man's Trauco.
0: Yeah, I, I gotta agree with you on that, honestly. Loyola, for me, at least at this point, he's not Seleccion quality. Um, and when you look at other names, and, and sure, some of these names might still be under consideration for Gadeca, but I'll, I'll throw this back at you, Renato. Out of these two players, and you can say both if you want, but let's say they were available to be called up. Would you have liked to see someone like, say, Ivan Santillan or maybe Christian Carvajal, given how solidly they have started the campaign?
2: Definitely Santillan. Even though, like, he has never been called up to the national team, he definitely knows more of his role as he's more experienced at dirty. And also, he offers everything of a throughout goal, like, defense, like left back is very technically gifted, and also, well, with Sant'Anne, I feel like he's a bit more better defensively than Trauco is, as he tends to win most of his ground, even in the air.
0: I mean, even someone like Carlos Neda from Melgar would have been an upgrade over Loyola, but again, he's a key player for Melgar, they probably wanted to keep him around, Uh, but the Caballero addition for me was the most stunning in terms of just which one i didn't really like to see because he struggles on the ball he's not the most comfortable in possession um and does get beaten on the dribble a lot like i think when you look at his like tackles per dribbled past rate he gets dribbled past half the amount of times he attempts a tackle which is not at all good for a defender i think he's been dribbled past close to two times per 90 minutes this season i know it's a small sample size but that's that's never encouraging if you're a center back to see a numbers like that and so you hope that it's just because of the lack of, I guess, available options for this camp. Over to maybe a couple of the midfielders who might have surprised some people to see, and David Diosis, or as I'm now going to call him, uh, David Gods, and Raciel Garcia. Uh, those are two names that not a lot of people will be familiar with. Kevin, if you were to kind of describe them as players and and maybe whether they have a future with La Selección past this camp, uh, what would you say about that?
1: I'm going to be honest. Dioses is not a player I had on my radar. So credit to the Gareca scouting team. He seems to have been uh, doing solidly this year for Mooney, who I completely underrated this year. And as far as Rasiel Garcia, he is a name I actually had seen for a bit He's always been like a mainstay for for Cesar Vallejo, and I don't think he's ever really. I think he's been like a regular player for them, mm-hmm. not very not very um, one minded for goal, but always trying to look for that extra pass. And I think that is it's a good it's a good opportunity to to show that he's looking at players outside of the big manual clubs because this guy has been you know having a regular year. Uh, same with Sandro Renguijo. And it might be their shot to, to show what they got.
0: Uh, Renato, what about you? What, what do you think about both Dioses and Garcia getting call-ups for this camp?
2: I don't really know much about Dioses, but Renato Garcia, I've seen a bit of him, but it's not someone that I really thought of much for a La Selección call-up. But at the same time, it's what you can always say. Everyone deserves a shot in the national team in some way or form, and for him, that's perfect. He's already getting noticed by Gareca, and he'll try his best to get, like, to convince him, and I'm happy.
0: Guys, in terms of how many of these 19 players might be getting more call-ups from now until Copa America, which names would you kind of pick off, you know, like right off the, the the bat in terms of favorites who you could see maybe sticking around in future call-ups, provided the qualifiers do get played in the next couple of months here. Uh, Renato, who would you say would have the best chance of these 19 players to stick around with the national team over the next, say, 9 to 12 months?
2: Well, aside from maybe possibly, like, the most, like, fixed, like, Canchita and maybe possibly Bridel and Kassidan... Mm-hmm. I would like, I'd say Mora and Sukar because they, both of them are ju- are in the eyes of Gareca all the time, especially Sukar and as it has been said before, Peru is in a striker crisis and Gareca would like someone to at least be there to get the feel of being with La Selección. And definitely Aldair Rodriguez. In fact, I could definitely see him during Copa de America sh- should he go abroad next year.
0: For sure. Kevin, what about you? Which names of those nine team would you expect to see over the next year or so? Well, the
1: the striker crisis is real. So I'm going to put my faith in Alder Rodriguez, since he is, you know, he's a champion in Peru. And he has a lot of uh, interest abroad, we've heard from Turkey, we've heard from Spain now. And it seems like it's something that's, that's going to happen sooner or later. So I, I think he'll at least get a shot. I, I think he, he comes with a, at least a better resume than, than some others that we've seen, like, I don't know, uh, Mayora or Ivan Bulos, and see what, what happens when he takes his shot. Another is, is definitely also Mora. I can see it since, you know, Flores is going to be out for, for this for a little bit. I don't think he'll make the qualifiers in October if, if that does happen. Um, so the potential call up there.
0: I mean, I, I agree with you guys. I think Rodriguez for sure is the more polished of the two center forwards that were called up. Sucar, you can see still has to work a little bit on his composure in the area, his, his, his first touch and whatnot, but Rodriguez looks a little more advanced in all areas. Um, It obviously helps that he is older and quite a bit older than Sukar, but the fact that he is getting the interest from abroad is going to help him. And if he does get that move, then you have to imagine he would be a favor to not only get into the squad, but eventually take over for Baulo, at least initially, uh, especially if he can keep that up. But I, I really hope that even guys like... I mean, as, as we said, Bilka can stick around, Jesus Pretel, even Sandro Ranquifo, if he can get his move to MLS, as has been rumored, which would be nice to see. Um, and obviously, the ones who weren't included, like Chavez, like Martin Tavara, like Jairo Concha, who's been excellent to begin this this restart here over to the uh, under-20 players who were called up. They were called up as sparring partners for La Selección. Um, among those names are a couple of exciting talents in Yuri Celi and Sebastian Gavero. The Sudamericano Suvente begins in February, so getting... A look at some of these players is crucial, uh, provided that tournament still does get played, of course. There's always an asterisk in this day and age. Um, but other than those names, Renato, what are your overall takeaways from that list of under 20 players?
2: Well, Sully's obviously going to be the biggest like name out of all those called up as he's been playing like first-team football as of late. I'm also really excited for Sebastian Cavero. I've always been, like, praising him so much, even though he hasn't debuted yet. But I also am really excited to see Nicolas Figueroa as well because he's already, like, just this year, he just scored two goals. And every time I watch him, he's always seems energetic and always ready to make an impact in the goal, like just score somewhere or just go fast. And even though he's not on the list, since he's abroad, but I hope that Alessandro Bulamacri is in like the U-20s next year. I loved him during the U-17s. I think he had a great partnership with Jaime Scott. They was running the midfield for Peru. And I really like how he was giving us all, especially for a, a Peruvian-based talent abroad.
0: Kevin, what about what about you? Which uh, well, which names intrigue you? Like what 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 were your overall takeaways from this? Um, I mean, a, a couple of your boys are, are on this list, which I'm sure pleases you.
1: <laughs> always, always. I'm gonna I'm gonna personally say I'll, I'll go with different names. I think Diego Espinosa, who's currently at Ayacucho, has been uh, exceptional this season uh, in his his debut season. He's already got a goal and an assist. Ayacucho, I. Think is still top of the table and or their their second at this point. I would have to relook at the table, but he's made himself stand out as a as a tricky little creative winger who clearly can make his way in, in at least in the professional division of Peru. And I want to also give uh, the name of Axel Moyano, mm-hmm. who is a a central midfielder at Alianza Universidad. Uh, the one and I don't think he's played too much since since we brought came back from the pandemic. But he was playing for them when they were top of the table, undefeated, and that that seems promising to me. I'm sure he'll he'll come back and get some more minutes from Alianza Universidad. Maybe maybe that changes things up for them. I know they they've been missing some players.
0: That is true. I mean, all very good names to bring up uh for me and i mean he's still quite young he is still 18 as are a lot of these players who were called up but i did like the look of alfonso barco on the ball these last couple of games that he's played um still has some work to do defensively in the midfield especially if he's going to be playing that deep Um, but i do like how i guess silky smooth he looks in possession already at that age but as uh Renato said in our WhatsApp chat, uh Cavero could basically turn out to be a left sided Osling Mora. I mean he was awesome at the Sudamericano Sud 17, and you know, if he ends up getting some minutes for Alianza, perhaps those two could be uh could be quite the the duo on the wings for for Alianza, provided Cavero gets some opportunities here, which I'm sure Salas will try to do. And we know the potential that Selly has, even though the move to Racing seems to be off, but uh he's definitely going to be someone that will be on Peru's radar for quite some time. Um, to close out the the call-ups section, guys, uh, we got a question from Luis at chato-luis-305 underscore, Luis underscore 305, who asked us, with Guerrero injured, who should be the captain for Peru in October? Uh, Renato, who would be your captain if the qualifiers are played in October?
2: One word, Farfan. I'm sorry, but like... Before Paolo was injured, I thought it was just time to move on from Farfan because of all the injuries and stuff, but now we need him. Two reasons, experience and leadership. Especially, it it showed, especially when Paolo was suspended and also he, Farfan, led us to the World Cup against New Zealand. So, he definitely knows how to leap as a captain.
0: Uh, Kevin, who would be your captain if the qualifiers are played uh next month?
1: Well, I think it will go to Farfán as the, the guy with the most experience. I personally think it should go to Zambrano. I think that it, it's his time. he's the original Capitán del Futuro <laughs> and he's it's true <laughs> just gonna yeah, he's... I'm going to put that I'm going to put that out there. Interesting. And he's definitely got to have a strong personality. I I know that in the locker room he will he will get some stuff done if people are slacking off or thinking of partying or something. That's, that's, that's all I'm going to put out there.
0: You, you make a good point in that Sambrano is, I mean, first of all, he's one of the more culture players in that dressing room. The guy can speak like 17 different freaking languages, which is obviously helpful. Second, he has played at the highest level for quite some time, at least before coming back to South America. Um, you know, whatever you think about his performances on the pitch and maybe how aggressive he is, you do have to say he would be a strong locker room presence, um, provided he is still called up, which I assume he will be. But yeah, that, that, I mean, that, that isn't a bad shot, but I assume Farfan will end up getting it, should the time come for these qualifiers to begin. Um, switching over to Liga Uno, guys, I know we talked a lot about the domestic players that got called up, but obviously with that comes Liga Uno chat. We'll start with some on-the-pitch matters. Let, let's start a little more positively. We're three games into the restart for most teams, other than Alianza Binacional. Um, we've got a decent enough sample size from what we've seen from most of these teams. So which team has surprised you in a positive way at this point? Uh, Renato, which which team would that be for you?
2: I'd say Sporting Cristal, because earlier in the year, it, the team was a disaster under Barreto. Seemed like he had no idea what to do with such talented players like Chavez and Tabara, but now with Mosquera in charge, changed. Now Tabara's playing in a position that he's that's basically meant for him in a, as a deep line playmaker, and also Chavez is also like is showing his defensive qualities and showing why he's going to be like a future defender for La Selección. And I can say that if they keep this up, they're definitely they could definitely be a title contender.
0: Oh, hundred 100 especially given how they're playing i i've always been bullish on cristal just because i feel they are the most well-run club in the country and given that they usually always produce quality young players they're always going to give themselves a chance to fight for the title at the very least finish in a spot where they are competing for the title so kevin for you who who is your surprise team so far
1: I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna just change it up a little bit and I'm gonna give you my top three right now.
0: All right, even better.
1: <laughs> so clearly, Cristal came out of the gates running. Yep. No, nothing else needs to be said from that for me. Uh, I think Laou, grudgingly, I gotta say they <laughs> they reinforce well. Their subs can compete for the first position. You're like Hober, Quintero, Uruti, like all these guys should start. I think that they repuntaron like they they took on some injuries mm-hmm. and it didn't affect them at all. And then will my third would be César Vallejo. Yeah. I, I just I just like how they play. I think Chemo de Solar can can get the best out of them and it and it's starting to show. I I still have them as my my team sneaking into a American spot.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, that would have been my answer to Cesar Vallejo. Um, I mean, I know last year they, they looked really solid and I think everybody expected them to be comfortably safe um, and to make a bit of a push in mid-table. But, I mean, th- this year they've really pushed on and looked even better, um, which I'm very happy to see, especially given all the all obviously the stop-start nature of what 2020 has been. It's even more impressive that they're doing that. Um, on the more negative side, which team has been the most disappointing in your eyes. Kevin, I I have a feeling I know where you're going to go with this, but maybe you might shock me. I don't know.
1: (laughs) It it depends on if we're talking about how they play on the field or what they're doing off the pitch.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, then that's different.
1: Because, you know, there's a lot of teams competing for who's worst off the pitch.
0: (laughs) Yeah, very true.
1: (laughs) On the pitch, I want to say Alianza has been a bit disappointing to me. Uh, But I'm certain that'll, that'll come back They have like... Eight injuries or injuries, sickness. Um, aside from them, Melga, I'm I'm yeah. gonna be honest. I I don't know what's going on with them. They like they need to drink Mike's magic stuff or something. Yeah. <laughs> they can't score at all. No. Yeah, that that's that's gonna be hard times for them. I I can't imagine their manager surviving two more rounds of not even scoring. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, not not ideal at all. For me, it would be Melgar as well. I mean, took the words right out of my mouth. Alianza's is obvious. Renato, what about you? Who, who's who been the most disappointing team or teams in, in your eyes?
2: I got to agree with you guys on Melgar because something about them just doesn't look right this year, especially with some of their more important players, like Alexis Arias, who was, really, who was just phenomenal last year, just seems lost and just out of it. Like, the whole team just... It feels like they're just they're just like I don't know, just something about them just looks weird. And Alianza, I mean, it just feels like them when I watch them, I feel like they're they're still under Bengochea mentally. It's like they have not for even though they're under Salas, they still feel like both Chea is in charge. And it doesn't help that the injury crisis is taking a toll on them. And they're gonna be without more players this the following match day because of yellow cards and stuff. And another team is Alianza Universidad, and the reason why I say this is because ever since Jack Duran got injured, they just—it seems like they just lost leadership and magic.
0: Hundred mm-hmm. percent, I I agree with that one as well. But I mean, you know, for, at least for Alianza, you you can come up with some excuses, which you guys just mentioned—the injuries and the and the suspended players, Pato Rubio still adjusting, so it's understandable why the attack might struggle. But I mean, eight total shots, albeit one of those games coming with 10 men is horrific, um, and that needs to improve. Maybe changing up the midfield, you know, take out Asquez, take out Cruzado, give chances to Escate, to Ferreira, to, I mean, Aldeir Fuentes is back, maybe he might provide a little more structure in the midfield, it could help, who knows. Um, But Melgar, for me, is the most baffling one, because I have them finishing second, and right now they are not looking like it at all, Um, and they're, Key players are underachieving, which I never expected to see. Maybe maybe with some time, maybe with a coaching change, it could all come back, but we shall find out. Um, to, cl- to close this sort of part out, guys, um, what are your thoughts on the quality of the matches so far? Obviously, the players have been out for a long time. Um, they're all playing in, in the same few venues. Um, some teams might have struggled coming to Lima when they're not necessarily used to it because obviously they would play in their home cities. Um, but Kevin, what have you made of the quality on display so far?
1: Okay. So, well, obviously people are getting back into match fitness and everything. Cause this is a longer stop than they ever have. Even with, you know, end of the year vacations and everything. I want to say that it, it's been, it's been pretty good. It's been, I think the first, the first uh, game day they, they came out was a little iffy. But then after that, the teams have, have just been more competitive. Uh, I think Carlos Stein got their first victory. Yapoamba got their first victory, and this is all everyone playing on even playing field. There's no excuses. There's no. It's eleven on eleven, and the, the better team that day figures it
0: out. Renata, what about you? What have you made of the quality of the matches?
2: It's been going smooth now that it's all being played fair with no altitude advantage. Every team now is, like, making sure that, all right, we have no home advantage. We're all neutral grounds. Let's play how we should play. And also, I'm just glad that no other fan is – no fans are gathering outside of the stadium, which can also <laughs> affect possibly, like, the minds of players fearing that Lego 1 can be canceled again. Like, that was just stupid of the, of the Nahu fans, honestly.
0: You come to expect it in Peru, let's be honest. I, I agree with you guys. Quality of matches has been surprising, surprisingly decent. Um, and again, I think like with any other league, once the first game or two is played and once the players regain their rhythm, from there it really starts to improve and kind of come back to normal. So now that most teams have played three times, you feel like now it's it's pretty much going to stay the same in terms of quality, which is good to see. Um, we did get a listener question uh, Kevin, you talked about Lau a little bit and how impressed you've been with them. Uh, Daniel Fuentes at Old Man Fuentes asked us what we think of Lau's performance uh, with possibly the best striker in the league, great options in midfield, and a solid keeper. They can be champions at the end of the year. And he puts in brackets, of course, with no more drama coming from the administration. That's always the caveat with Lau. Um, Renato, what have you made of Lau's performance thus far in the restart?
2: Was pleasantly surprised to be honest with you because before the restart, I believe the the coach I think was was Giorgio Perez. He had to leave Peru for Uruguay because he just felt unsafe, which was totally understandable given his age. Since it was like like very old, so COVID times you gotta escape Peru because of how badly affected it is. But with that new coach, it seems like they're they're just performing very well. You got. Like Santiago was in his high level, the, the midfield, also Dos Santos scoring. I think yesterday that was yeah. that comeback was just wow.
0: Yeah, they've they've looked they've looked really good. Um, I mean, I had them finishing top. I think I had them finishing top three, maybe coming up just a little bit short because I figured the defense might become a little bit exposed. Um, I mean, Ginya for me, as well as Alonso. Th- Sometimes they're not the most consistent centre-backs, which I kind of worry about. But, I mean, going forward, like, I mean, Millán's been brilliant, Quintero, I mean, obviously Holberg has taken over games. Now that Dos Santos is fit and scoring again, you imagine that they're going to be able to to get the job done. And even when they have a little bit of adversity, like we saw against Cienciano, um, they're going to be able to overcome that and and get those wins that maybe they didn't necessarily deserve after watching the first half, but then in the second half they can just turn it on like that, which is good to see. Um, guys, it wouldn't be a Liga Uno section in 2020 if we didn't talk about some really god-awful, horrendous behavior off the pitch. Uh, this time it's Yakuo Um Personnel from the club have been fined. And suspended for three to four years uh for violating Leono's safety protocol. A club executive, doctor, kinesiologist, and goalkeeping coach were among those sanctioned. Um we just actually heard recently that Yakuabamba actually got their bus driver to imper like you can't make this up. They got their bus driver to impersonate a doctor so that they could essentially meet protocol, which is just ridiculous um kevin maybe you can fill us in a little bit more on those details and maybe give us your thoughts on what is a complete debacle
1: yeah i mean it, it almost sounds like something you get out of uh the three stooges <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if, if they pull the Vi nacional unless they're you know their medical professional back in up or something and just has their their bus driver try to just sign off on stuff for them but the, like six people were suspended. It, this wasn't like. This is practically the whole club. I can't imagine their, you know, their the sporting director or a president doesn't know about it at this point. And honestly, Yakwa needs to face some kind of punishment aside from the guys who were suspended and stuff because this is too many people <laughs> that are wow. involved. And realistically, if if. If his bus driver signed off to say the Ayacucho players were safe, I mean the Yacuabamba players were safe to to play against Ayacucho, and then you see Ayacucho jump up in some cases because they played against a team that wasn't actually that didn't actually have the green light to play. It could it could be a snowball effect in the league.
0: Yeah, for sure it could be. Um, Renato, what do you make of this? entire ordeal at this at this stage.
2: This is why Copa Peru team should never, and I mean never, ever, like gain automatic promotion in Liga 1 because it's amateur board running this and they have no care whatsoever. That is just irresponsible. And this is why people probably will not take Peruvian football seriously. The only thing I will say is that I, if lacomuma can get punished, for stupid stuff like this. It just makes me hope Shunam also gets punished because what they did was just awful. They left, they basically left players like at risk, and possibly the whole league at risk, and possibly the whole country at risk. So the clubs need to face punishment, and if they don't get punished, then all hell breaks loose.
0: This is where we need Christopher Viscardo to jump in because normally he's... He's the defender of Copa Peru, but even he would agree that this is just deplorable behavior from them, uh, from Jaco Bamba. I mean, it's it, it's really inexcusable what they've done. Um, and again, just like Renato said, it, it just kind of reemphasizes the point that literally 98% of Copa Peru clubs should not, and I mean should not, be playing in Liga 1. Sure, you can make some exceptions, but... I mean, overall, I just don't think that they should get automatic promotion to Liga Uno at all. Go to the second division, try to establish yourself as a professional club, and then when you show you're ready and or get your sporting project right, then you deserve to come up. Because right now, I mean, it just makes Peruvian football look amateurish when this happens. Um, over to Peruvians abroad. Uh, we'll start off first. We, we kind of talked a lot about uh, the striker situation. Uh, Santiago Ormeño scored again for Puebla after a brief drought, and I kind of say that tongue-in-cheek because, I mean, two games isn't really that bad at all, Um, but he scored against Toluca in Puebla's win, uh, another turn and finish, very Paolo-esque for his fourth goal of the season, and Ricardo Gareca in his press conference on Friday admitted that Ormeño is on the radar, no surprise, but now that the coach admitted it, then people can start going into overdrive on this. So, uh, Kevin, your thoughts, first of all, on Gareca admitting that Ormeño is, in fact, on the radar. Um, and second, the fact that he also was able to get back on the score sheet and score almost a carbon copy of what his first or second goal looked like.
1: What can I say? Uh, Ormeño is thriving under the under Reynoso system now, and that, that's only good news for Peru. No, no two ways about that. I'm glad he's back on the score sheet. Every striker needs that confidence, and I'm I'm sure it, it won't be long before we hear it again. As far as Gareca, I I think uh, you know it's it, it's common sense that he was he's been following him since he know he was in since he was Peruvian. Realistically, he played in in Cusco last year, uh, only two matches, but he was here. He got his his mm-hmm. DNA, so he is Peruvian. Even if he got called up by for Mexico and played a friendly or something, this isn't La Padula. He's still Peruvian. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> worth, worth emphasizing. But worth emphasizing. Know.
1: So I, I, w- I just want to say that, you know, Gareca has him in consideration. He's talking to Reynoso. It, it's practically all said and done. I'm sure when some friendlies come up or... You know, when we find out a, the new schedule or something for the qualifiers, he'll get some kind of, "Hey, what's up? How you doing?
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, you up? Um, yeah, he'll he'll definitely be contacting him. I'm sure. Uh, Renato, what, what are your thoughts on on Ormenio scoring and, and just overall the the situation in terms of trying to get him to play for Peru?
2: For someone that debuted in Liga de X at 26 years old, I believe. This is his first year in the first division of Mexico. It's great that Hermenio is already scoring. He doesn't necessarily have to score every game, but at least maybe just every two or three games. And for what he's doing, he's doing very good, actually. It thanks thanks to his biotype, you know he's going to be excelling in the defensive duels before scoring. And I just hope he can keep it up. And as for a Gareca call-up, hey, if he's fully committed and he wants to make his granddad proud, then go for it.
0: Yes, couldn't have said it better myself. And I just want to also thank uh, Juan Reynoso for kind of helping us solve the number nine dilemma because uh, he's given us yet another option. And literally six months ago, we could have never dreamed of this, quote-unquote, embarrassment of riches that we are now having. Um, I say that again, tongue-in-cheek. Uh, other, <laughs> other Liga MX news, uh, Pedro Aquino, he is back well, was back in the 11 for León in their win over Atlas. He looked very good, as is usually the case, but it was just his second start of the apertura. Aquino started due to Jose Rodriguez's suspension, um, so you probably won't be seeing him in the 11 for very much longer, if not by the next game, now that... Rodriguez will be available again. But elsewhere in Liga MX, uh, Joshimar Yotun started again for Cruz Azul, did very well. Um, they now have five wins, one draw, one loss. They are top of the table by two points over, ironically, Leon. Kevin, your your thoughts on, on either of these situations, whether it's Yotun or Aquino.
1: So with Aquino, it, it's unfortunate, but his, his injuries have probably made it. So his coach... Doesn't find him the reliable first choice anymore. Uh, that being said, still talented. He's gonna get minutes whenever you know someone's missing. Whenever someone needs a sub, I can definitely see that. But it's not, it's not enough to me for for the amount of talent he has. I, I definitely think he should be trying to push on for a a move abroad at this point. A mid-table team in Belgium, Holland. These could be good spots. Maybe Braga in Portugal. I'm just throwing that out there, Aquino, if you're listening. And, you know, take it from there. Yotun, fan favorite for Cruz Azul. And, and it's great to see, you know, approving at the top of the table. In fact, the last time I checked the table, I think of the top four, there was three Peruvians. Because Cruz Azul, León, and Pueblo. That's great news for, for Peru.
0: Renato, what are your thoughts on either or both of Yotun and Aquino.
2: For Aquino, it's like what Kevin said. Um, It's unfortunate Aquino has lost his place in the starting lineup, but at the same time, I can't blame his coach because Aquino's injury-prone, as talented as he is. If he gets injured, that's not good news. And even when Aquino subbed on, he can always at least provide some support, even at times an impact in the midfield. But... I believe that he'll, even if he's not starting much, I think he'll still move abroad, like somewhere else, especially in Europe. I can definitely see him do well in a top team in the the Netherlands or Portugal, like an Ajax or a Porto. But it's going to happen because he has one year left on his contract. I believe it expires in June 2021, which is almost basically in a year already. And as for Yotun, please stay healthy and fit because. (laughs) You're doing well. You're doing great for Cruz Azul, and please, because you're important for La Selección. That midfield is nothing without you, at least for now.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, once Tavara comes in, I, I will always champion him. But yeah, for sure, Yotun has to stay fit. That's the key. Because um, when he hasn't been available, Peru, you can see that the fluidity in midfield is just. Not at all the same. Um, and yeah, agreed with both of you guys on, on Aquino, 100%. To MLS, uh, Raul Ruiz Diaz. He scored again for the Seattle Sounders, but got hurt at the same time against LAFC. Luckily, the injury doesn't seem to be too serious from the sound of it, but more to come on on that over the next few days. Um, that is now three goals and one assist for Ruiz Diaz since the regular season resumed. Um, Kevin, we, we said this last week when we talked about him getting the doblete and the assist, but um, can we now say that everything is fine with him after a rough start to the campaign as well as the MLS's back tournament?
1: I think he's got back-to-match fitness. I mean, hopefully, you know, the injury was not that serious, but I think uh, he's got it back. He's scoring consistently for his team. He's being important, and... Even if, if I think the Selección might move on, he, you know, he's the bar. you got to do better than Ruiz. Because if you're not scoring, and he is, gotta, gotta should say Ruiz. Yeah, the guy's got to see that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Renato, what about, what about you? What do you think of Ruiz's last couple of games? Do you think that the worst is now behind him and that uh, at least club Ruiz is, is back in form?
2: It's great to see Rodius back in this form. It's obvious that in Orlando it just seemed like he wasn't it was just wasn't him. He just felt like he was just all stuck in that bubble, but now that the tournament's over, now that MLS is back to normal, he's back to old Rodius, at least in club form, scoring and just showing how great of a striker he is. Do I can we see this with la selección? As long as Gareca sticks to his old system, you are never gonna see that Club Rudias for La Selección. Two things: his tiny body will not never work as a lone striker, and second, people need to, to, to think that he has stopped believing that Rudius is Paolo. He's not. Both of them are two different nines, but at the same time, it's great at least that we have him as an option in the case that the other available number nines are not having the best of them. Let's just say if Al was not scoring, or Sukar still have some trouble, maybe Godeka could, hopefully, at some point, could try to change a system that will suit Rudias.
0: Other MLS news, Pedro Gallese, sublime, again, a a ridiculous save against Atlanta in Orlando's win. They continue to succeed, which is nuts. Um, Gallese to Independiente, by the way, does look dead due to financial complications, which we kind of predicted would happen. Um, So Orlando fans can maybe breathe a little bit in that regard. Um, but yeah, Gaese looks incredible these days. Um, and Alexander Cainz, speaking of which, uh, amazing for NYCFC again in a win over Chicago. There's nothing new there. I just want to say and reemphasize how criminally underrated he is among MLS pundits and whatnot. Um, we'll move over to Brazil. Um, quick little note, uh, Kevin Quevedo has... COVID-19 that's why he's been left out of the squad recently uh, but he should be making a full recovery and hopefully he is back soon Um, but the kind of newsworthy bit when it comes to uh, Brazilian-based Peruvians is uh, Alexander Lecaros who is apparently this is by his own words down to stay at Botafogo even though there were reports that they are looking to loan him and that, you know, that a move could be coming. The fans are still up in arms, by the way, with Autori, that uh, Leccaros isn't playing because they, they think he does deserve a chance. Um, so, Renato, let me ask you this. What do you think will happen with Le Caros in in the end, considering that this is, you know, a pretty big year for him personally? Because obviously, if he gets some regular minutes, you can see his development being pushed further ahead.
2: I'm going to be honest with you, I feel like the timing of Lekaro's going to Botafogo was kind of mixed. Because before, it wasn't a a like in charge, but as time went on, a Tori came and it seems like he wants to put more emphasis on the big name players like Keisuke Honda and now recently Salman Kalu. Chelsea fans may recognize that name and that's a player that plays in Lekaro's position, which is also going to, let's just say, hinder his development. Especially since you know he's Calo is gonna be an undisputed starter just by the name. Doesn't matter the talent, the name is what matters. And I feel like for Lecados case, if I were you, two things. One, get some muscle because just by looking at you, I don't think a coach would wanna like risk somebody you like in that biotype to play as a left winger. It basically Lecaros just looks like a mini Cueva to say that he's not trying to be harsh but trying to give him some advice and second if you were to go on loan just go somewhere where you're guaranteed the development in the playing time because at your age and near 21 you would want to get at least consistent minutes and hope and you know what and when you come back show the coach whoever it is everything you got and you'll be succeeding think of someone like Jefferson Soteldo at Santos it's been also just been like a kind of a bit of a bad luck for the Peruvians in Brazil. I mean Gueveira already got COVID, Pacheco kinda lost a place at Firmina mm-hmm. and Paolo unfortunately got injured, so not really the best of luck for our Peruvians in Brazil to say yes, But hopefully things change.
0: Let's move over to a couple of European based players. Um Miguel Trauco, he tested positive for COVID-19, but uh, he tweeted that all he has to do is a physical examination, get cleared for that, then he's fine to return to San Etienne. As for his future, which is what we'll talk about here, San Etienne did reportedly turn down four loan offers for Trauco because they just want to sell him outright. Um, And then Trauco's agent came out and confirmed that there are three offers uh, in Europe for him. So the Olympiacos deal might, not be dead yet kevin i know we've talked about this at nauseum but i mean what do, do you ultimately see trauco getting that move there, there is another month and a bit to go in the transfer window and and seeing as at does want to kind of let him go do, do you feel like eventually a move will get pushed through
1: yeah i'm gonna be honest i, I think you know it, it might just go, come up against the wire but Olympiacos has the money it just depends on on if they have any other offers at the time, but it seems like they they do want him and the other two offers, whether they are you know real or uh, or something, his agent is putting to put pressure on Olympiacos. It's only good for for Trauco. I, I don't I don't see him staying at Saint Etienne. I understand him saying he's willing to stay and fight for a spot and everything, but it's not happening. While Paul is, while uh, his coach is there currently Mm -hmm. so that move i'm hoping it happens
0: for sure i think we all are because he needs to be playing he can't experience another flamengo disaster um last player we'll we'll touch on here is uh, jean-pierre reiner Uh, he might be leaving cadiz either on loan or permanently because they want to sign a new center back and reiner isn't in the club's plans had been appearing in some friendlies but now we probably see why that has been the case Renato, your thoughts on this development? Uh, where could you see uh, Reiner landing as well? It
2: must be a shame because it doesn't. It didn't help that Reiner got injured during the, his the Segunda Division season for three months, and let's be honest, it just cost a place in the team. And now it seems like he's no longer wanted at Cadiz, Which it sucks because like it, it seemed like he was very excited to play in La Liga, but. Fortunately, it's football. Honestly, if I can see him go somewhere, I hope it could be somewhere like FCM Emin. I would like to see him find out or Bena, But I wouldn't say Reiner not finding a club or club list wouldn't be the worst thing for Pedro. because, let's be honest, central defenders is the area of least concerns.
0: Uh, so that'll do it for us this week. Thank you, everybody, again for listening. You can uh, follow me, Peter Galindo at GalindoPW. You can follow the show at Peru Waltz. Um, Kevin, what is your Twitter and any final shout out for you this week?
1: You guys can can follow me at K Seven. And as far as shout outs, I good luck to all the guys that got called up and and the U twenty guys as well. You guys are, are pretty much training under Gareca as well, so make the most of it.
0: Uh, Renato, what is your Twitter? Uh, not that I'm sure some listeners won't be familiar with it already, but what is your Twitter, and do you have a final shout-out this week?
2: It's Renato underscore son. And also, all i got to say is good luck to those called up by Gareca. Show everything that you got, and let's hope that maybe we can see you wearing our... Beautiful jersey and sing our national anthem in front of thousands of people. That's what we want to see.
0: Yes, including the thousands of people. Hopefully, we can get fans back in the stadiums very soon as well. Uh, so, that'll do it for us. This is the Peruvian waltz team, and we are signing off.
2: <laughs> I yeah. see.